Well, welcome, everybody, uh, to the second installment of our Strike Out the Stigma series this baseball season. This is a Phillies community outreach initiative in, uh, with cooperation from a great group of young people. Uh, Minding Your Mind is the name of their organization, and uh, we could not do this without them. So uh, this is a very important time for us, and we're going to have a very important uh, discussion today, and, and I'm really glad to see all of you here uh, for what should be a very in informative hour. Uh, we have three goals here uh, with this series. Uh, the first one being bringing discussions into the open about the value of healthy lifestyles and healthy habits. The second, uh, obviously important, is supporting those around us, and uh, not just uh, in the issues of mental health. It, it's important that we all support each other. You know, we only have one planet here, so we have to have each other's back. And maybe most important, and, and really wraps up uh, our series called Strike Out the Stigma, is removing the negative connotations surrounding mental health challenges. We're recording our time together this evening, and it will be shown uh, for families, anyone who wants to see it on our Phillies social media platforms later. And this gives an opportunity for those of, uh, of us who are not here uh, to be able to, to see at a later time. Right now, please say hello to our co-host tonight, Dr. George James. We refer to him lovely, lovingly as uh, Dr. George. Thank you. Dr. George, tell everyone here about your background, if you would, sir. Uh, well, you know, Scott, it's always a pleasure to be here. So glad to do it. I feel like, you know, we're like in, uh, calling the game. I'm the color commentator because I just got a lot of color on today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so, as Scott mentioned, my name is Dr. George James. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been doing this work around mental health and helping folks for over 20 years, and especially around helping athletes, uh, CEOs, folks who are sometimes at a place where they feel alone, uh, but they're feeling some type of mental health challenge. And I've been able to take those skills and that information into lots of places from talking to sports and, and, and athletics to the business room to community places. So my, my, my biggest mission is really just to let people know it's okay to talk about whatever you're feeling and experiencing. And today we're going to have a great conversation about that, yes, especially around mental health and sports. So I'm excited about that, Scott. We're excited to have you here. Thank you again Thank for you. joining us, Dr. George. It's very apparent we have one empty seat that we need to fill. So without going any further, please welcome an Eagles icon, Eagles royalty, if you will, NFL Hall of Famer, Brian Dawkins. That's right. Thanks for coming across the street. Thank you. Thank you, know? you for having me. <laughs> you, hello, hello, hello. There yeah. we go. Yeah, there we go. There we go. You are also the author of a book now. Yes. You're yes. not only a, a Hall of Famer, you're a great author called Blessed by the Best. Congratulations on the success of your book. Brian. No, thank you. Thank you very much. We're going to discuss a lot of things, uh, but, but let's start out a little bit about your rise to stardom in the NFL. It has been a journey mm -hmm. to get you all the way through South Philadelphia and on to Canton, Ohio. Talk about uh, your road, if you will, for a little bit. Yeah, so for those of you who do not know, I was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm on the north side of town. And from the north side of town of Jacksonville, not a lot is expected of someone that looks like me. I'll just say it like that. And so I wasn't the biggest of guys anyway. 
Um, I was one of the smallest guys in the neighborhood. So in my mind, I always had to outwork everybody. That's kind of where my, some of my work ethic came from. And I was blessed to see some things in my neighborhood by some individuals to show me how to do things from a proper place, I'll say it like that. But I was also, I've seen some things in my, in my lifetime that um, I did not talk about for a long time, which I should have. And that's one of the things that led me down the dark path that I went through as a rookie here because of so many things that I saw in my neighborhood. Like I've lost a couple of my friends to the streets for gunshots because of selling drugs and stuff like that. So I saw some of those things. Um, did not know how to deal with any of those things. Was not talking about none of those things. And so that is what kind of caught up to me. I was blessed to then go to Clemson University, uh, get a scholarship there, long story short. Um, blessed to get drafted in the second round by the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, to me, to this day, I was the first, I was a, the first pick in the third round, not the last pick in the second round. That's how I used it for motivation. <laughs> um, and um, again, we'll get into some of the other things, but I was blessed to then go on to do some things at the safety position to allow me to be in the uh, National Football um, Hall of Fame. So I'm gonna leave it there because I know we have a whole bunch of other things we wanna talk about. We do, and we'll go right to, to Dr. George here who has a question that was submitted by one of our audience participants. Dr. George? Thanks, Scott. And you know, even before I get to that, you know, I love this Philly love, right? Right across the street, you hear we have uh, Brian Dawkins here. He's repping the Phillies. You know, I still got a little Eagles love here. So like, there's love all around the corner, all around. Like, it's, it's still competition, but yes, you're right. right. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yes. <laughs> there's love there. So one of the questions I want to ask you that was submitted was that you know we talk a lot about mental wellness, and I know you have used the phrase cerebral wellness. Uh, can you describe what cerebral wellness means? So the reason why I don't use mental health anymore, mental wellness, is because there's so much negative connotations attached to just the word mental. So think about it. Coming from where I came from in the neighborhood, we literally use that to talk about somebody. Like, why are you acting mental, right? So we used to say those things in such a negative way that every time that I hear the word mental, it's a negative. And so me being the person that I am spiritually, like if I continue to say specific negative things to myself, then I'm probably gonna go down a negative path. So I changed it to cerebral wellness. Cerebral has to do more with more information gathering about a subject matter. You're not, you're not making decisions just from one place. You're ga gathering more information. Wellness has to do with the things that you do from a mental, um, physical, and I'll add spiritual place so that you can be um, well or be in good health every day. So again, you think about, I'm gathering more information, I'm not making emotional decisions, and then I'm doing specific things on a daily basis to, so I can be a holistic person healthy. So that's why cerebral wellness is the term that I choose to use, because there are two positive things coming together. Doc, I'd like to talk to you about your Hall of Fame speech, because yes. it was so emotional. You touched so many bases. Um, and you were very open about your struggles, both uh, on the field and also with regards to depression. What do we do as, as folk to, to kind of correct, do a mid-course correction? We find ourselves at that low point to get back our authentic self. How do we make that mid-course correction? So first of all, it's, it's about starting where you are. Start where you are, wherever you find yourself, recognize where you are. And as I thought about um, you asking that question, uh, uh, a thought came to my head. Um, 
everybody in here know about the Titanic, right? So the Titanic, the, the ship that, that, the big ship that, that sank, then um, some of the talk was about they didn't have enough lifeboats, right? So ahead of the time, ahead of the journey, they did not have a lot, enough lifeboats. So I began to think about that topic of having your life preservers before you get into anything. So my question to you was, who are those life preservers in your life? Like when you have things going on in your life that you need to talk to somebody about something, do you have those life preservers? Now those life preservers aren't for you to live in those places. It's to help you stay afloat for a little while, right? Until help comes, until you get stronger or, because, or until you get out of that situation. That's what I think about. So before you get into the situation, you need to take um, uh, an account or, or ask yourself in a place, not in this place, who are those people in my life that I have that I can reach out to? And if I don't have those individuals, you need to begin to pray and think about who those individuals should be and could be so that you can talk to someone because we all need someone to talk to. Like I have four people in my life, I call them my blessed pack. There are four people that I know that I can call at any given time and I can sometimes, matter of fact, about a, three weeks ago I had to do this. Like I was going through some real tough stuff and I just texted them, pray for your boy, pray for your boy. And I know they're gonna pray for me. I know they're gonna be sending me encouraging messages back to me. And if I need to talk to them, I can get on the phone and we will discuss what's going on, but not all, I don't need that all the time. But I know I have that. So the point is that's a powerful position for me to have. I didn't have that when I was a rookie because I let nobody into my life. I didn't have life preservers. So I thought that I can do it all on my own and it crashed. I'll just stop there and just say it crashed. And so for me and for you, who are those individuals? If you don't have one in mind, pray about it and see who comes to mind. And when that happens, talk to that individual ahead of time to let them know that you are one of my life preservers. Well, that's great advice. I, I just want to quickly get a follow up to that. Can you say more about what confirmed to you that that person needs to be your life preserver. Because I think like sometimes we have people in our life and we think that maybe we should trust them. <laughs> we think that maybe we should open up to them. But sometimes, you know, I always say like, how many people have friends that have given you bad advice? Anybody here? <laughs> I have plenty of friends that have we given me bad do. advice, right? And so the thought about it is like, how do you decide that this person needs to be my life preserver in that pack? How did you, you said you prayed, but then what was a confirmation for you? So the confirmation for me were the people that I chose I knew each one of them on a uh, spiritual level were um, working towards the same, a similar um, path as far as that is concerned as I was. I knew that that person would pray with me if I needed at any time I know that person would pray for me. And this is, this is my criteria. I can't give you yours. This was mine. So that individual was not someone that I would go to to gossip with because they wouldn't gossip with me about anybody else. Does this make sense? Because if that person is gossiping with you about somebody else, it's more than likely they're gonna gossip about your stuff with somebody else. So that's the point. So these are some of the criteria that I had. And so the people that I chose, I felt peace in my heart about. So when I prayed about these individuals, I thought about it, I had peace in my heart that these are the four individuals that I can reach out to and invite them to be that. Because each one of them, I told, I've told each one of them that they are part of my blessed pack. 
right? Some people call it a ring and all of those things. Whatever you want to call yours, call yours. I said blessed pack. And the reason why I said blessed pack is because, yes, we made a pack to be together, but I also think about a wolf pack, right? We're all hunting, but we're all, we're all hunting to be righteous people because it's, it's one woman in there as well. It's not, all, it's not four men. There's one woman and three men of the people that I have in my blessed pack. Good, good. Brian, you know, when you choose a profession as a professional athlete, you're going to have, let's say across the street, 70,000 critics every play. Uh, and then you're going to hear about it on sports radio or television. There's a lot of negativity involved in your profession. So when that comes across your way, how do you turn that into motivation? Yeah. So for the majority of my life, I've, I've used the things that people have said about me for fueling my life for so many, for so long, I'm just used to doing that. Like, I've told you that I wasn't supposed to be in the NFL. It was supposed to be so many other people in my neighborhood, not me. It wasn't, I was too small. Matter of fact, I've, I've had coaches to tell other people and I, it got back to me that he's not gonna be, um, he's not college material. So he'll be back in Jacksonville. He won't be able to make it in Clemson, right? So guess what I did? Me, I, I grabbed that, I heard it, I used it for motivation. I used it for motivation. Now, I used it for motivation for a long time in a bad place. I used it as motivation and I became angry with it. So anger, I used anger for so long in my life to push me to do some, some things. It was only when I got into the NFL, I went through that time of, of depression and I went through those, that time of suicidal um, ideation that I got into this frame of thinking of, 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 of not utilizing so much in an, from an angry place. And it hit me that I should go to prove myself right, not prove others wrong. Because if I constantly am trying to prove somebody else wrong, who has the power in that? They do. But when I go to prove myself right, now I'm gonna take what you said to use it for motivation, but I'm gonna use it to motivate me to go prove me right. So now I have all the power. I have no more anger towards nobody else, no more hatred towards you for saying what you said. I thank you for the nuggets that you gave me to help me work out a little bit harder. But, and so in my Hall of Fame speech, I said it like this, that my haters became my elevators because they, they actually helped me to push and persevere through some things to help me achieve the highest that I achieved. Unbelievable. You've got the next question, Doctor. Yeah, I'm actually going to go back to a question that came up before, and you know, earlier today I, I had to do a seminar for for Google, and we we're talking about like growth mindset and yeah. what does that mean. And I know you're really big on that, especially with struggles. And, and can you just talk more about you? You talk about growing through struggles. Can you maybe give an example and what does that mean for you to grow through struggles? So when I say go through, I, I don't say go through or I don't stop at go through. I usually say go through slash grow through because that's what every struggle in our lives is there is to teach you something about you or somebody else. Every struggle, every one of them. It's something that you're supposed to be learning. So when I, when I get into that space, here's what I ask myself. We were kind of talking about it a little bit before we got in here. I ask myself this, when I get into that painful place, that, 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 that place that I don't necessarily want to be in, to be honest with you, I ask myself this, I said, dog, so what are you learning? What, have, what are you supposed to learn from this? Matter of fact, I ask, so Lord, what am I supposed to be learning from this thing that I'm in? 
It's very uncomfortable. I do not like it. But what am I supposed to be learning? Here's what that does. It quiets my emotions down. It quiets my brain down even. So now I'm, I'm anticipating learning something. I'm now in a space that I'm looking for the nugget. I'm looking for the reason that I'm, sometimes in, in some of those instances, you was talking about instances, is I needed to stop hanging around specific people. I needed to let some people go that was in my circle at one point. I needed to let them just continue to drift on and go on about their business because they, were help, they weren't, they weren't going to help me get to the vision that I created for myself. So this is how I use this. So again, and, and here's the other thing that I'll tell you is that the things that we go through, go through, they are meant to be seasons in our lives. They're not permanent. The only time that they become permanent is when you create pathways to constantly go back and think on that thing, to think on that thing. You wake up in the morning, you think on that thing. Somebody says something, it triggers that, that, that same memory, then you think on that thing again. So you are making that season a lot longer than it's supposed to be, right? But if you just take that nugget to say, I'm going to learn, this is what I learned from that. So that thing that was so painful, it's no longer painful because I learned this from it. And because I've learned this, I can do this when I get to this situation, I can make a better decision here. Why? Because I learned that thing in that place. So that thing is no longer a painful thing for me. It's a power pellet for me. And so that's how I kind of utilize that growth mindset. And, and again, what you hear is how it resonates and how it operates in my mind. This is how I speak to me. This is how B-Doc speaks to Brian, right? I ask myself questions all the time. I have conversations with myself all the time. So I'm constantly asking myself, what's going on? What are you learning from that? And when you do this, I can't explain it. I, I honestly cannot explain it. Hopefully one day I will be able to do a better job of explaining it. But when you do this for yourself and to yourself, you will give yourself different answers. The, per the part of you that asked the question will be answered by the part of you that asked the question. It will. And when you do this and you practice it and you make it a habit, the part of you that answers the question is usually going to tell you the right thing that you need to be doing. Because it's not in a, you're not in a, that, that part of you that's answering the question is not in a panic state. It's not angry. It's not emotional at all. It's just looking at the facts. It's looking at the information. Emotions that, I'm trying not to go too far. The emotions that we have is just information presented to us. There is no... I won't say it like that. The, the emotions the Lord has given us, none of them are negative or bad. None of them are bad. Let me use that term. Sadness is not a bad emotion when it's used properly. Does this make anger is not a bad emotion when it's used properly? Right? So that's, that's the point of it. When you ask that part of you that's not, has no emotion attach, attached to it, it'll give you the answers that you need. And for me, I understand that being a man of God, I know that part of this is also the whole, I'm not going to go, that's too deep. That's too, right. you know, but, but you know what I heard? That's too deep. That's too deep. I, heard, I heard Brian tell me it's okay for me to talk to myself. Yes. Right? Yeah. Did everybody else hear that? Just, that just don't okay. have an argument with yourself. <laughs> just don't. Well, Brian has already given us so many things to think about. A lot of deep subjects yeah. here tonight. But uh, we all can relate to it in one way or the other. 
So uh, I want to remind you, if you have a question, please raise your hand, and we will get a microphone to you. And we'd love for you to maybe share an experience uh, with, with Dr. James and, and, uh, and Brian here. Or if you just want to make a comment, yes, there's a young lady here on the aisle, if we can get a microphone over to her. Thank you for being our leadoff hitter tonight. Yes. Hi. Um, I like the analogy that you used with the Titanic and the, and the lifeboats and everyone needing a life preserver and you having four. Um, but for, like, the kids, the teenagers that, that are still growing and still finding friends, um, it's kind of hard, I think, to have a life preserver if your circle is changing, like, through your school. Yeah. Um, so, like, what are there any more key characteristics of like what they should look for um, because of course I'm thinking they would want to peer as a as a life preserver um, yeah so the the life preservers that I was blessed to choose I chose them because of the upbringing that I was brought up in so in my household specific morals were taught and I saw the world through the moral morals that my, my house taught me. Does this make sense? So the, 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 the individuals, the, I did have teenage, um, teenagers at the time that I could have reached out to, but I didn't. Now those teenagers that I would have reached out to was only a couple of them, and they matched the morals that was taught in my household. Does this make sense? So that's how I would have done it. I'm not telling you that I did this because I didn't, which I wish I would have. I wouldn't have gone through some of the things that I go through, but I take that back. Everything that I went through has taught me to be who I become. So I, I do not regret it. The, the point is, is that like, it is, that's why it's so important for us as parents to be teaching our kids specific morals, the characteristics to look for in others, right? So if we're modeling those things in the household, my, my mom and dad were doing the best that they could and they were modeling some things in the household for me and my, and my siblings. My grandma, St. Dawkins, wow, she, she just passed um, 104, um, she just passed about a week ago. Wow. So like having those, having those individuals in my life, what it did is it blessed me with a specific view of what a good person was. So now I, I use that measurement and now I search my friends. I scan my friends right now. You, you don't, yeah, now nah, you yeah, don't yeah. lie. <laughs> right, like, right. So you see, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make like light of it, but that's literally how um, me and my wife, we want to teach our kids specific things. So when they don't see it in their friends, they know that this is not the person you need to tell your stuff to. Does this make sense? And that's why I gave you that one thing. If they're constantly talking about other people all the time, they're probably going to talk about you about other, other people, right? So they have loose lips, sink ships, like they're going to sink, sink your ship by telling everybody else your stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Doc, I want to talk about positive uh, self-affirmation, which is so important. At times, we're our biggest critic. You know, how many times do we sit back and say, Wow, I just didn't do that right, or I could have done that better. You know, darn it, I hope I get a chance to do that again. But, you know, we're so hard on ourselves sometimes. Yeah. How important is it to practice, you know, positive 
self-affirmation in our lives. My self-talk game is on point. Yes. Listen, I love, like T.O. said, I love me some me. <laughs> I love me some me. Um, but but, but, but it's, it's, it's so true what you're saying. It's, it's, so here's the thing. You talk to you the most. And it is your voice that your brain and body follows. Yours. If somebody else says something to you and you don't agree with it, it does nothing to you. If someone says something to you and parts of it you agree with, you then say that back to yourself in your mind. And then your mind, your body responds to you saying that to you, not that person saying that thing to you. you so the, the, what I'm trying to get you to understand is you have the control over that. Your voice, how you speak to you. So speak to yourself kindly. Yes, challenge yourself, absolutely. When you do something, um, when I, I'll say it like this. When I do something stupid, I say, Doc, that was stupid what you did. I, didn't, I, don't, I won't say, Doc, you stupid. No, Doc, you're not stupid. The thing that you just did was stupid, right? The act itself. The act yeah. itself was a stupid thing that you just did, right? So how you speak to you is so important. And, and I'm, I'm going to give you this. I got to give you this. My, the things that I talk to myself the things. The, the verse that I use the most is, is from the Bible. It's 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, for the Lord did not give us the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, love, and of a sound mind or self-discipline. I've, I've said that so many times in my life in different circumstances when I'm, fearing, when I'm feeling fearful, when I'm feeling like I can't do something. As a matter of fact, I learned that as a rookie on the field. I'm on the playing surface and I just made a mistake in the game. So I'm, I think everybody's mad at me. The veterans are probably mad at me and, and the fans probably going to boo me. Like I'm all this stuff is going through my head and I needed something to help me move on to the next play. So I would um, immediately say to myself, the Lord, you didn't give me the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power, of love and of a sound mind. I got self-discipline. I got self-discipline. I got self-discipline. And that allows me to move past that mistake to the next play. Not thinking about the last play, moving to the next play. But what I say to myself about myself is the most important conversation that you have with you. Mine with me, man, I'm telling you, I talk to myself. I say, Doc, you do your best, man. I, I'm, I'm thankful for the heart that you have. How you try to push through things, how you try to help people. I'm thankful for you, man. Like, I talk to myself like that. You need to do the same for you. One of the things that I've, I've noticed is some, some individuals in my life, that they're so hard on themselves. They condemn themselves all the time. They never have a good word about themselves. Like, I'm the one telling them that, no, you're good. Like, you are, no, you're actually good. Now they, oh, I'm stupid. That was dumb. I'll never get this. And again, when, the more you tell yourself that, your brain hears it and your body agrees with it. Your brain hears it and agrees with it and your body hears it and agrees with it. So what you don't want to do is you don't want that to be the common theme in your life. So listen, get your self-talk game right. Begin to talk about yourself like you, do it like this. Begin to talk to yourself like you talk to someone that you're taking care of and they depend on you. How would you talk to that person when you know, matter, matter of fact, it could be, how many of you have furry, uh, uh, furry family members? How do you talk to your furry family member the majority of the With time? With love. With of love, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? So why would you talk to your furry family member better than you talk to yourself? 
Think about that. I'm going to leave it right there. Think about that. True. <laughs> Write that down before I forget. That's it, right. right. Furry family members. <laughs> Dr. George. You know, there's, there's a lot, Brian, that you're sharing that really talks about our, our mindset and how it impacts us, how it impacts our emotions, those things that lead to anxiety and depression. And so everything that you're saying are the ways that we work our way out of it. It is what we say to ourselves. And, you know, my family's back there laughing because when you mentioned that scripture, that's one of the scriptures that they say, right, every morning going in, going to school, right? It's the things that we repeat to ourselves that get stuck, especially in struggle and tough times. And so I love that. Get your talk, the self-talk game right. Got to get it right, man. Get it right. Uh, so I see there, there's another question there. I'm, I'm going to hold my question because Great. I see a hand up. We'll get a microphone right over to you. So can we. <laughs> Go ahead. B-Doc, you talked a lot about overcoming adversity where you grew up and getting through some tough stuff as a young man. Um, you are a huge role model for all these young athletes, especially in this area. I'm surrounded by young athletes right now that are struggling with these huge pressures, grades, jobs, friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, school, you know, all these responsibilities and their families, and then sports. And these coaches are so hard on these kids, and they can't miss practice, and they got this, and they got that, and they give them a hard time. What advice could you give to these young athletes to guard themselves? You see what I did there? I said guard. Yes. Um, guard themselves against all these stressors that are just too much for a young brain. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I learned later in life um, that this is one that I would say that I wish I'd have done earlier. Like, I will say this. I wish I would have begun to uh, journal my thoughts. Just journal my thoughts. Write down my thoughts. What am I thinking? You know, get, getting those things out of me on paper. So whether you believe it or not, you can write, you can get, you can put emotion on paper. If you don't, if you don't believe me, when you've written that love letter to somebody, they have read your emotions coming back off the paper to them. So you can put emotion on paper. So sometimes it's getting them out of your head onto a piece of paper so you can see things, right? Um, one of the things that I often tell my kids, my, this is my kill my kids this, is create a vision for yourself in different places. What is your vision for school success-wise? What is your vision on the football field if they're playing football sports? What is that vision for yourself, right? So when the things that people are saying are not aligning with that vision, who are you going to believe, right? I'm still holding fast to this vision. Now, if the coach is telling them something that's going to help them with the vision, that's a different thing. But the point is, is that I want to have a direction I'm headed that I want to be heading in. Does this make sense? So in all of those different, so you don't put it all on one piece of paper either. So you, if you're going to do this, you put, okay, this is sports, this is school, right? This is, so whatever, you put it in different sections. But writing out, I'm telling you, writing out my feelings and my emotions has been one of the most powerful tools that the Lord has blessed me to come into. And I've been doing it ever since my rookie year. Once I went, when I went through that downtime, that dark period of my life, this is what the Holy Spirit given, gave me to do, and I begin to do this. I pray, I read, I, med I pray, read, meditate, journal every morning, without question. Journaling is not just writing down my emotions all the time, though. Sometimes journaling is me talk, thinking about 
the, the things that I'm grateful for, the people that I'm grateful for, right? Now, this is more, not necessarily for, for young folk, it can be, but this is for the more seasoned, this more seasoned of us, right? You can write down your feelings, write down your emotions, write down the people you're grateful for. And what that's doing, what that's doing, it's, 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 it's doing something up here. When you begin to write down and you begin to be thankful for those things that you have, those people that you have, you say it out loud, you write it down, you begin to activate different regions of your brain that you, don't, you didn't even know existed, right? And you, you begin to see the world through a different lens as well. So when we're in pain, when we're in pain, we tend to, um, I, won't, I, won't, I won't do that, I won't do that. That, that'll be that, that's going too deep into something. Right. Next well, installment. <laughs> there's, there's, always, you know, there, there's always uh, a reason to have a part two or three. So for everyone here, this is not my first conversation with Brian about mental health and sports and life, and I'm so grateful that I have this a second opportunity with you to talk about this. And you know, everything that you're saying lines up with, you know, especially when you talk about gratitude and a gratitude journal. I often share this with my clients, the importance of that because it does unlock some ways where you can be sad and you start thinking about, well, I'm grateful. I got a furry family member. I got things that I'm doing. I'm playing on a team. And all of a sudden, you're, the way you see life starts to shift. And then if you add that, that self-talk game, now you really start to change what you're doing and how you're doing. So this all lines up with how people can really move. So I have a question, right? And some of this that you have shared with me and many others about teammates, right, that have been an influ influence in your life. And you have been a good teammate. As I mentioned, you, you were willing to do so many things for so many others, community. And, and I guess, like, how have teammates helped you when you were dealing with some of those dark moments or even challenging moments to overcome that? It was only a, and here's the other thing I would say. When I talked about telling, uh, talking to someone, you don't talk to everybody about what's going on with you. That's, this is not an everybody conversation. So I had a couple of people. When I, when, I came, when I came to the point, when I went through therapy, I didn't say this, I went through therapy for a little while, um, and I took medication for a little while to help me come down off my emotions. That's what it did for me. It helped me come down off my emotion so I can be here from a spiritual level some of the things I needed to stop doing and some of the things I needed to start doing. That's what it did for me. And after that, is when I began to talk to two people in my life. Two. There's only two people that I began to talk to a little bit deeper. So there was only two people in my mind that I could talk to and share myself with that, again, met the criteria that we talked about. Like, we're going to pray together. They're not going to be judging me. We're not going to be, they're going to be laughing at me. I don't have to worry about them telling my stuff to anybody. So my point is, is that, you know, some people in, to, in today's, the way that things perceive to me that when you're going through something you need to tell everybody no if you because what that what that would have done for me is that would have put a lot of pressure on me that would have made me sink even further into my hole because there's no way I'm telling you my stuff I didn't want to tell that dude my stuff and it was comfortable uncomfortable sitting there with that dude telling him my dog on junk well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna tell everybody my stuff no not not everybody picking at me that's how I would have perceived it so there's no way I'm telling anybody to do this. So you, your stuff is not for everybody. The things that you're going through is for that person first, one person. Think about one person that you can speak to. That one person is for that person. 
And then when you feel at some point down the road that this is something that I have overcome, I'm stronger, my shoulders are back, I've overcome that thing, and this is how I overcame mine. And now if I want to then share that with you, I see you going through something, listen, this is, listen, this is what I went through. This is how I overcame it. If you try these things, have you ever tried these things? So that's what I'm talking about. But now I'm in a, I'm in a power position. Why? Because I have grown through something. I'm stronger at this level than I was at that level. So now I can help my brother out. The second part of, of that um, um, Titanic uh, conversation we were talking about is the other part of the Titanic and reading about it is that the ships weren't all filled when they went off, like the, 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 uh, the lifeboats, they weren't all filled. But the thought was is that the people who were going off to safety, they didn't want to turn back because they didn't want the people who were drowning to pull them out, put them under. That was the thought. So think about that. If I, who am now so-called, quote unquote, or am, am I'm in safety because I'm in a strong spot, but I see you drowning and I don't reach back to help you, how selfish of a dude am I, right? So people ask me, dog, why are you doing it? You can be retired and you can do, no, I can't do those things because I gotta do what I'm doing right now because someone needs to hear my version of how I got through, why I'm stronger where I am. How I got stronger, right? Somebody needs to hear that. And even if it's one person, we was talking about, you know, the, the last session you guys talked about, and I'm not going to talk about the details of it, but that was a, a, a deeper conversation that was being talked about, about people no longer who are no longer with us, right? So if I can then use the platform that I've been blessed to have, which was the Hall of Fame speech, to be able to share my victory. Again, I'm not talking from a place of no longer defeat. I'm talking from this place of victory on the other side of that pain. Like, this is where I am. And I'm telling you, this is my version of it. So if you can utilize it to bless your life, because when it blesses you, it's going to bless other people in your household first. So my household was blessed because I've grown the way that I've grown as a man. My children are blessed. My wife is blessed because of the man that I've become. Does this make sense? So if I have that and if I keep that to myself and I don't share that with somebody, man, I'm a selfish dude. Selfish -Doc, dude. Someone out here, and I don't know where the question came from, but it came from, from one of y'all about uh, actually the title of our series, Strike Out the Stigma. Uh, and the question was, why do you think there is a stigma about mental health, especially in the game that you played, in the game that our athletes play here at Citizens Bank Park. And, and what can we do about it? How can we help, yeah. besides conversations like this, to strike out the stigma? Well, I can't speak for anybody else's neighborhood. I can only speak about mine. And in my neighborhood, you sucked it up. You deal with it, especially being an African-American in my neighborhood. You suck it up. Don't let people see you sweat. Don't let people see anything other than a, a scowl on your face. Because if you show anything other than that scowl, they're going to think you're weak. So if we talk about anything other than me being hard, like matter of fact, think about it like this. The way that I perceived it, the only emotion that I can really show other than happiness and excitement because messing around, playing around was anger. That's the only one that I was free to show. And I showed that a lot in my life. So if that is kind kind of the way that things have been taught in ev similar in a lot of other communities, 
Now you see why someone was not, I would not then come up to you and tell you right. what's going on with me. Why? Because we don't talk about your emotions. You so talk how about, do we open that talk up? about your emotions. Right. So again, but I, t I talked about it. So you have to be comfortable at some point talking to at least one person first. That's the group. That's the. Yes. Mm -hmm. The ring. That's the ring. That's, that's you having the individuals that you can talk to that can help you. So. But don't we need to expand that ring? Doesn't that ring need to get bigger eventually? So, so, so here's the thing. It will naturally get bigger when people recognize the strength in it. When you recognize that I'm, see, I recognize I'm stronger because of I, I went through what I went through. I recognize that I was stronger for having those conversations with people, and I have, I'm stronger when I have conversations. Let me give you this. When, when you have a conversation with someone, this is something from, a, from a, a neurological standpoint. When you commute with somebody and someone that you love and you spend time with them, right, your brain sends pleasure chemicals to you to the effect of is if you would get a hundred thousand dollars bonus at your job now you so just imagine you get a hundred thousand dollars at your job what would that feel like it would feel great wasn't it so that feeling that you just felt the feeling i just help you get is what you get when you spend time with someone you love. Now, I'm not talking about your significant other. I'm talking about someone that you can just sit down and just chat it up and just, just, just blow the breeze and just talk about some deep stuff, man. When you spend that, that's literally how your brain perceives that. And it sends those type of pleasure chemicals into your system. That's the power of those conversations and those relationships. So that's how it starts. But it, it has to start with that one person, I believe. And then once you understand the significance and the power in that, then it'll begin to branch off. Because if me and you are doing that, and we're both benefiting, and we know that he's suffering, you don't think that we would mention, yeah. hey, you want to? Yeah, absolutely. You would invite, and then somebody else would invite, and then somebody else, and then it'll grow and grow and grow. Well, that's, and to share what Brian and I were talking about, earlier before we joined you folks, and in the interest of full disclosure, since we're talking about removing the stigma of mental health challenges, I, I have anxiety, and, and I am on medication for anxiety, and I shared that with Brian, because I felt like this was a person who, who would certainly understand it, and I did feel more empowered, and this is, this is what we're talking about. If you have a challenge, share it with somebody close to you, right? Close, Duck? close to you. Close yeah. to you. Close to you. Close to you. We have, we have one question. We're running out. We might be able to get both of you, but we'll right. try. B-Dark, um, I have vivid memories of how you used to get the team completely riled up before a game. Not to speak of the fans. <laughs> Not to mention the fans, exactly. But I know, uh, based upon your timeline, this is the second time I've actually heard you speak, which you've been fantastic. That was after a time when you were really working on things. What did you go and harness within you to get you to that level that you were riled up for the game and ready to go out there like a gladiator, but not from an anger perspective. Number no, so as I grew, as I grew as a, as a person, spiritually especially, I understood this, the, the significance of love and accountability for my friends and my teammates. So I took the feel, I, I prepared in such a way as to not let any of my teammates down. None of them. I didn't want to let nobody down. So it, I needed to do everything that I could from a physical standpoint, mental standpoint, spiritual standpoint, to be 100% present on the field and be all there. So I say it like this. 
when I stepped on the field, I gave you everything that I had, not what I had left. A lot of my teammates sadly gave us what they had left because they was doing some stuff Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. None of that stuff. I wouldn't listen. When I tell you that I was getting my sleep, I bought a hyperbaric chamber like I was doing everything that I could so I can give you everything that I had. Now, here's the other powerful thing about it. I took the field. Now, think about this. I took the field, and I wasn't pretending to be anybody but, but me. I was being 100% me. I didn't have to hold back nothing. Think about that. Think about what I'm saying now. I did not have to hold back none of who I was when I stepped on the field. Would you not be excited, hyped to go to work? If you can, you feel, you feel what I'm saying? So that's, that's, that's how it was. So I was, matter of fact, I was yelling so much because I had to get some of that energy out. Because I was, so I wasn't, so you mentioned that I, I got my teammates riled up and the fans riled up. I can't. I was, not, I was not yelling to get excited. I was yelling because I was excited. Because in my mind, I know what I'm about to do on the field. They didn't know. I knew what I was about to do on the field. Like the opposing team, they did not know what they was about to get into. <laughs> so, so, you, so you see what I'm saying? So that's, and again, and I loved it. That's the other thing. Matter of fact, if I didn't come out of the game, if I wasn't limping a little bit, if I didn't have blood or something, like I felt I did not do my job. Like, literally, I needed to be limping a little bit to come out of the game. But that's how my mind was. Because in that moment, I, I felt that I had given everything that I can give for my teammates. And the greatest thing that I can do for someone is to give up myself. And that's how I felt. I was giving myself for my teammates. Brian, we got time for one more question. I just want to quickly say, like, you all don't know. I'm, like, so close to him, and I'm feeling it. And he's, like, 50%. I mean, if he goes all the way, I'm like, put me in. Let's go. I don't need that door because I'm ready to run through the wall right now. We had one more question, B-Dog. Over um, here. What is some advice that you can give to youth coaches to better support their young athletes? Good question. Wow. Is, is there ever a time that is opened up to listen? To listen, to see if, if something going on. Is there, I, I, I would offer um, giving praise reports of things that are going good in their life. And if you have anything challenging that you, you would like to discuss, like, and I wouldn't do that in like in the group. Like that would be more of a one-on-one -on -one thing if there might be something to come out. But the, the praise report, make sure that everybody can hear it. What's going on? Like what 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 are, what do you have to celebrate? Like what can we what can we celebrate with you? Right? I, those are two things that I can give you, because I know we're kind of pressed for time. Those are two things that I can give you. I just wanna add to something that you've been saying, and part of this is that you've talked about not having fear. And to be in your career where you went to see a therapist, take medication, and apply spiritual principles, that's... Rearranging fear. Rearranging I've fear. I've had fear, but yeah. yeah right. Fear. That allowed you to push further, right? And so some of this is the thought of sometimes we are overwhelmed, we are sad, we are depressed, and it is some level of fear there. And we still have to push through and find a way to get this help and support, which you did. And I just want you to be able to talk. We all know your faith is important. You, you're very clear about that. Can you talk about, for people of lots of different faith practices, but what role has that played for you with pushing past mental health challenges, cerebral wellness challenges? Like, what's the connection there that you would say? That's, that's the primary part of me. It is the primary part of it. It has become 
the primary party. Well, it's not always that, but it has become the primary part of me. It's my faith. It's my walk. Um, because, because ultimately, as, as, a, as a man of God, that um, when I touched the field, as much as hype as I was for my teammates, as the things that I did for the fans, all those things, ultimately I was playing for an audience of one in my mind. My word tells me that I'm supposed to do everything as unto the Lord. So everything that I did, when I touched that field, matter of fact, if I did not play the game the way that I played it, I would not have been given God glory, in my opinion. Because I, he has given me the ability to run. He's given me the ability to be physical in a game that, in the rule books in football, it says that you can move a grown man from this space to that space against their will. That's literally, go look it up. It's in the rule books written. It's not written just like that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the point is, is that that's in the rule books to be physical. It's in the rule book. So I'm supposed to do everything that I can do as unto the Lord. So when I went out on the field, like I was going, I was literally doing that in such a way and playing to that level to it. And that's why before the game, you would see me and, and people see where I was used to be praying over the team and all of those things. Like I was literally preparing myself to go out there and, and preach like I was preaching on Sundays. I don't know if y'all knew that or not. I was preaching on Sundays. Moving bodies. I was moving bodies, Jack. Now, but 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 literally, my faith has become that centerpiece of me, and my spiritual walk has become the major part that um, governs the other parts of me. My emotions, my will, my soul is no longer the the, the principle in my life. My soul, your soul, my soul is your um, emotions, your will, and your imagination. Right, so that's your that's your soul. That's no longer the part that runs me. My emotions are no longer the part that he, that run me. I have emotions. I am not emotional anymore. I used to be emotional. Oh my goodness, I used to be emotional. I'm no longer emotional. I have emotions, but I'm no longer emotions. Why? Because now my faith is the primary source of where I get my directions from. I no longer depend on just my emotions to, help, to get me my directions. I depend on that part of me. And that's why I have to get up in the morning, I have to read, I have to study, and I have to journal. If I don't do those things, especially for a couple of days or a week, it would throw everything off, I'm telling you. Because I've, I've done that, yeah. and it threw everything off. So I went back to doing this thing the way that I've been doing it. Well, sadly, we are, we are running out of time. I'd love to thank you all for being here. Uh, Dr. George, thank you. And as you mentioned earlier, B-Doc, about your furry friends, now I can lovely call you my dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian Dawkins, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. Thanks, B-Doc.